Emergency podcast, Arch Manning, committed to Texas, verbally committed, not signed, sealed, delivered just yet, as probably, I don't know, maybe some Georgia fan told you. Um, Kirby always finds a way to get these five stars. Now, um, Texas gets Arch Manning. The commitment heard around the world was trending on Twitter, I think within like two minutes of the announcement. Here's what I love, and we're gonna get to all the different all the different things related to this will. We were just talking about some of this stuff before we even came on, just to make sure that we had the timeline right, because that's an important piece of this. Here's what I love. I don't know, I, I'm, I'm curious if you've ever seen anybody like this. Arch Manning's only tweet like he's he's never liked anything on twitter he had never tweeted before he did today thursday early thursday afternoon to say committed uh to texas hook him with a picture didn't get a notes app didn't get any like uh, like he's liking all these tweets from celebrities even though like even you know vince young is tweeting about it within 20 minutes like everybody is weighing in on arch banning not a single like as of two hours after his verbal commitment that's why we're recording this one tweet that's it he's not following a soul on twitter i respect that i respect that say, say what you want about arch manning and his college choices which i'm sure many of you have opinions on but you got to tip your cap to a kid who does that. So there's one great example. I don't know if you've heard of this, but have you ever seen Kawhi's Twitter? No, no, I haven't. Oh, buddy. Kawhi has four tweets. They're all pictures. The first one is him winning a championship uh, with the Spurs. And it's just a deep fried photo from 2015 of him and Obama. Tony Parker looks like he is an ant that has been put through the sun. <laughs> uh, and then we have like him at Top Golf and a little hoverboard and then him at San Diego State. So hopefully, you know, if you're if you're a Texas fan, you're hoping that's the level of social presence we have. Like championship endorsement bye. Like college shout out when I'm in the pros, I'm out Biggest here. difference between Kawhi and Arch Manning. Not sure about the laugh situation, but one spurned the state of Texas and another looks like he's could potentially become the savior of Texas. Picks Texas over mm -hmm. the likes of Alabama and Georgia. We had heard others, of course, were going to be um, making a play for Arch. And I'm sure some elements of this will continue and we'll maybe hear random rumors of like, oh, hey, did you hear about what happened with LSU? Or hey, don't sleep on Florida. Random things like this. Do I think Arch Manning is going to flip his commitment? No, probably not. Doesn't really happen very often with quarterbacks. Not that common, um, and as we know, so many of these blue chip quarterbacks have already verbally committed to another school. We had talked about that when we did the Bold and Brash a few weeks ago about how 19 of the top 25 quarterbacks in the country are already verbally committed to another program. That's why you know Alabama signing Eli Holstein was kind of like, oh, hey, like Bama's like basically just trying to protect itself. Georgia, meanwhile, Texas mm -hmm. as well, had not gotten a verbal commitment from a quarterback. We knew they were going all in for Arch. Okay. I'm sure a lot of people listening have a question about why would you commit to the program that's five and seven that said, we're back after a four loss season, okay? Fair question. And you know what? Actually, Lauren had texted me about 10 minutes after Arch Manning's commitment. That's when you know something's really big. When you get a text from your wife saying, is he really going yep. to Texas? That's, that's happening? That's going down? Mm -hmm. um, here's what I would say to that. This didn't surprise me, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't say that to upset Georgia fans or Alabama fans, but when you kind of break down the factors, the timeline, everything just sort of makes sense. And the timeline 
is setting up to be unbelievably juicy. And Will, this is what we were talking about off air with how yep. if, if, if everything kind of plays out as expected, which is like Quinn Ewers going to the NFL draft after the 2020, uh, the 2023 season, which 2023 is, is Arch's true freshman year. So theoretically, Arch could get to Texas. He could redshirt that first year, wait behind Quinn Ewers for one year, and then be the starter in year two, not even waste a year of eligibility, though I don't think that really matters in the end if the timeline that we're talking about sets up well. And remember, Texas is expected to come to the SEC starting in 2025. As of right now, that's yep. the plan. The plan is not for Texas to come earlier. So Texas and Oklahoma, assuming that there isn't this $100 million buyout that's paid to leave the Big 12 early and come to the SEC, we've talked about why that doesn't seem as realistic given the lack of movement on the playoff expansion front. And if you're the SEC, why right. would you expand to a 16-team super conference before you have to when you know that the, the deal is done? Texas and Oklahoma, they're coming mm -hmm. to the SEC. The latest they're coming to the SEC is 2025. 2025, for that to be Arch Manning's first year in the SEC, or for that to be Texas's first year in the SEC, led by Arch Manning in his pre-draft season, that is almost too juicy. And the timing of that is yes. wild unbelievable i mean that is more fascinating than any sort of timeline you create at any other program in the country and i am so unbelievably interested by that in itself so i think there are a lot of different things to look at from like a depth chart standpoint from like who you're going to be coached by but i don't want to fast forward time i really don't but 2025 is setting I up. I love fast forwarding time. 2025 is going to be unbelievable. Unbelievable the way that yeah. it's currently, we're yeah. currently talking about this right now. And again, like, yeah, somebody who theoretically could sign an NFL contract for another four years from now, that's what we're talking about. He'd be in the 2026 NFL draft. Some of this stuff is going to yep. sound premature, but this is obviously massive news. And Texas got its biggest win since. Uh, I don't know. Might even be bigger. Might even be bigger than Quinn Ewers committing to Texas after spending a year at Ohio State. I was about to say you mean like like metaphorical win, not physical win. Because they got a big physical win in a bit. I don't know. I don't know. Might be uh, that might be good for for both. Uh, they definitely didn't get a big time win at the College World Series thanks to thanks to A and M flashing the horns down mm -hmm. Mikey Dallas and uh, giving uh, giving Texas a very a very long way home from Omaha. But yeah, so. If you're wondering why, like why just besides the timing of this, look at look at the other places. Look at the, the places that we're talking about with Georgia and Alabama, the way that that would set up. Mm -hmm. With Georgia, if I'm a true freshman, I'm looking at that situation, a 2023 quarterback, and I'm mm -hmm. scratching my head going, man, I don't know what that path is for me. I, I really don't. And, and understanding that everywhere Arch is gonna go, there's probably, and there could still be that at Texas, a blue chip recruit at the quarterback position who is older than him, that he's gonna have to beat out, right? Like that was inevitable. Mm -hmm. Georgia though, I'm not sure if we talked about this enough or how much it was really understood, how daunting that road could be. Oh yeah, yeah. they have like 10 five stars just chilling at Georgia. I mean, so like, <laughs> Brock Vandegrift is still at Georgia. Carson Beck is still at Georgia. Mm -hmm. Neither of them transferred. Neither of them really, like, 
unless we see a situation, what, what could happen this year would be like Brock Vandegrift turns into a star because maybe Stetson Bennett doesn't play well and he gets benched or he gets hurt and then Brock Vandegrift turns into a star and then maybe, you know, it's a situation where Carson Beck sees the writing on the wall a la JT Daniels this offseason and transfers, right? Like that, that can play out. But let's just say the most natural situation plays out for Georgia. Stetson Bennett, mm-hmm. starter through the, through the season. He exhausts his eligibility, allegedly. I'm still not convinced that. But then, oh my, he's back. He's back for 2024. Sorry. <laughs> Stetson just looks somewhere and finds some sort of NCAA loophole to keep him in college for the 2023 season. And we're just going. He's marching to DC with his papers. <laughs> I got him. I have some documents here. You'll think I'm very interested. I'll hit you with the biggest antitrust lawsuit you've ever seen. <laughs> so let's say that plays out. Let's say 2025, not 2025. Let's say that the spring of 2023, Georgia has Brock Vandegrift. It has Carson Beck. Those guys are still loaded with eligibility. They haven't used up a year of eligibility going into the 2022 season. They both have four years of eligibility left going into this upcoming season. Again, we don't know how that's gonna play out in 2022, but remember Carson Beck not, did not have to use a year of eligibility in 2020, which you know all he did was hand the ball off anyways. And then last year he played in three games. So that's somebody who has four years of eligibility left and Vandegrift of course was able to stay under the four game threshold last year. So he has four years going into this year. Why is that significant? And we're not even including Gunnar Stockton in this scenario yet, which he's somebody who's obviously a class ahead. But if you're if you're Arch Manning in this scenario, you're gonna have you would have to beat out someone like that. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have multiple years of experience ahead of of Arch Manning if you are Brock Vandegrift, if you are Carson Beck. We can't take that lightly. I, look, Carson Beck, we don't know how like what that chapter is going to to be at Georgia. We do know that he just looked really, really good in a spring game and take that for what it is. And we do know that the intrigue for Brock Vandegrift has been there pretty much from the jump. So if you're trying to figure out how to play within your first two years, because that's what I think Arch Manning was, was part of what he was looking at, was am I gonna be able to play in my first two years? Most kids aren't waiting until year three, right. right? So if you're looking at a situation like that at Georgia and you see that log jam, yeah, that's part of it. I can't, I can't help but think that played some sort of a factor in this. Even if he might think in the back of his mind, oh yeah, I'm, like I'm better than Brock Vandergriff, I'm better than Carson Beck. It's also Kirby Smart, who has had more five-star quarterbacks leave his program than anyone yep. has had walk into their doors since 2016. So... Yeah, shout out uh, Kevin Sumlin vibes. Um, <laughs> two in one week is an but, unbelievable but, you know, feat for Kevin Sumlin to do. I mean, that that is yeah, that truly talented to lose two five-star quarterbacks in a one-week stretch. Shout out to Kyler Murray, uh, who was wearing those Oklahoma PJ pants watching that game in the College World Series. So I'll say this really quick about Kirby. You guys know me. I'm not a Georgia fan. But, like, aren't you not coming to Georgia is actually probably a little bit of a blessing in disguise because exactly what you just said. If you're, let's say Arch goes to Georgia and you're an upcoming quarterback, what Wait, is real quick, real quick. Because Can we just take what you said, the first part of what you said, and just put it on onto a tweet, like responding to Arch Manning saying, Arch Manning not coming to Georgia is a blessing in disguise. I would love to just leave that out of context. 
I mean, honestly, man, like, if you think about it, because there has to come a point with Kirby where it's like, it's about trust. And that's why all these guys are committed. Exactly what you're talking about. They want to trust the coaching staff, that that coaching staff has their best interest at heart. At the end of the day, like you said, you got these two really highly rated guys who are sitting there and they're going out and recruiting another guy to make one or both of them transfer. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, I think Georgia's timeline right now is almost perfect. You have two shots. You have two bites of the apple, as they say in the NBA. You don't really need a third. And let's say that Arch was amazing and both guys transfer. All the negative recruiting out there would be, oh, so you're going to commit to Kirby so you can be the next, you know, Justin Fields or the next, like, you know, Jacob Eason or, or whatever. So I think that now that they've won that natty, they can just kind of sit back, build through defense and have a good, solid offense and have to try to hit a home run like Texas needs to to be relevant. Georgia's quarterback situation is still really good. I, 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 I'm good. optimistic yeah. <laughs> about it, like truly. And I keep finding myself becoming more and more intrigued by Vandegrift in the Todd Munkin offense. That's, there's another part of this that we, we discussed with Bold and Brash that I think is, is worth reminding um, those about who are scratching their head at Texas going, why, why, why would you commit to, to a place like that? And by the way, Texas at least had a top 20 offense last year. We make our jokes. We talk about the fact that Texas hasn't had a first round offensive player drafted since Vince Young <laughs> in 2006. Again, I'd like yep. to trademark that, see if I can do that. I think a tattoo might be a little bit too much, but a trademark, we might be able to make that work. Um, Mm-hmm. But the coaching, the, the, like, who who are you committing to? They always say, don't commit to... Oh, he committed to Sark. Exactly, bro. He didn't care about that defense yes. being bad. He's out there for those numbers, bro. You're, you're, they always say, like, commit to a school, not to a coach. I, I get all that to, to a certain extent. But if you're, if you're a big-time quarterback recruit and you're looking at these three schools, the most likely scenario for you, you have to consider. What is most mm-hmm. likely? Todd Munkin is still Georgia's offensive coordinator in the year 2025. Mm-hmm. Through the year 2025, let's just say that. Bill O'Brien is still Alabama's offensive coordinator through the year 2025. Or Steve Sarkeesian is still Texas's head coach through the year 2025. Oh, that's a good point. Because, yeah, those first two are like a combined 10%, probably, like each. That's that, yeah. So, so like, I, I think that's important too because. Everything that you could say about Alabama and like why you should go there, why their timeline, you know, for, say what you will about Georgia's timeline, how, how all over the place it's been with their five-star quarterbacks, Alabama's timeline has worked out phenomenally over the, the course of the last five, six years. You could even go back to Jalen stepping in in 2016 and say that the timeline ended up working out well, all things considered mm-hmm. the way they were able to at least get to a national championship game. So. That's why you need two quarterbacks, no more, yeah, no less. Exactly. He was number two, and that's all they exactly. needed. So from from that standpoint, you'd say, all right, well then, why wouldn't he want to go to Alabama? Because if Bryce Young, which is you know this is his pre-draft season, if he goes to the NFL like we think he could, then uh, hey, Arch Manning's going to be a true freshman with a wide open quarterback job. <clears throat> why doesn't Alabama mm-hmm. make sense? If you're just moving, if you're moving past the point that we just brought up about Bill O'Brien and whether or not he could actually be there through Arch Manning's career, the other point that probably needs to be discussed somewhat, Jalen Milrow is a guy who has gotten rave reviews in camp. Rave reviews. Looked really good in the spring game. Has made a, a significant impression. Take that for what it is. Ty Simpson. Another guy who, that's the exact type of quarterback that Arch would have to beat out. A guy that is one year older than him in terms of class and and whatever. So I don't really look at that. But I look at the Milrow situation. Two more years in the system. 
he will be entering year three. He also, like Brock Vandegrift, like Carson Beck, heads into 2022 with all that eligibility still left. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee that Jalen Milrow is going to be like one and done, like a Mac Jones was as a, a guy who starts one year, goes to the NFL, a Dwayne Haskins who starts one year and goes to the NFL. There's no guarantee that Jalen Milrow follows that path. So then if he doesn't, and if he stays two years, then Arch Manning's not starting until year three. And I don't think that's the scenario that he wants to follow. And then the other part with Alabama, and I would love to know what the pitch is. We, the pitch for Alabama is, is really obvious. It seems pretty, I can yeah. tell you. Saban walks in with like all the rings on, just slaps them on the table and says, what do you reckon yeah. about this? Playing for national championship, Georgia and Alabama can say that, Texas can't. I'm sorry. Like that's that's a part that, right. th that's a con. That's, that's on the con list. I'm not gonna justify that. There, there's definitely something to be said for that. There's only so much of, hey, you wanna be part of something big that you can really say in those meetings that I'm sure all of these coaches do. Even if you know, you're know you our guy, Charles Huff at Marshall, you can say, hey, you wanna be part of this new regime and whatnot, like you can say that. Joe Moorhead can say that at Akron and anybody that's rebuilding a program can, can say these things. But so th th that argument is not in favor of Texas. It's just not, I'm not gonna even try and spin that. But what I think is, is interesting though, is if you're looking at this and if you're Arch Manning, trying to live up to the standard of the Alabama quarterback is really hard. <laughs> and the guys that you're gonna be compared to, go ask Spencer Rattler what it's like to be compared to those great Oklahoma quarterbacks who came before you and how that can be a detriment to your success, which I don't think Arch is mm -hmm. shying away from anything like that. But there's, there's the part of that. But in Alabama's pitch, how many things do you think they could say that wouldn't be tied back to Sark? You know, think about that. Yeah. 2019-2020, Alabama has its two most prolific offenses in school history, right? Sark is the OC. Mm -hmm. Bryce Young is the guy that we know Sark recruited. Sark has known him since grade school, very well documented the way that that played out. The fact that Bryce Young stayed committed to Alabama and did not ultimately commit to USC, nearby USC, was a byproduct of, of the relationship he built with Sark. Year one that he's at Alabama, not playing obviously back up to Mac Jones, Working with Sark. I'm not saying that that takes all credit away from Bill O'Brien because again, I think Bill O'Brien needs more credit for being the offensive mind for Bryce Young's true, uh, for being Bryce Young's you know, offensive coordinator for a Heisman season. Will's laughing at me right now. Well, really we should blame Doug Marone. I'll, I'll just slander him even though he's on the same. Fair. It's probably Doug Marone. Fair, have you, have you justified that in your head yet about why he's gonna no. be great? <laughs> I, and, but to be clear, they had an amazing offense. They won the Heisman. I just, you guys knew, know it looked destroyed yeah. at times. I probably blame Doug Marone more than yeah. right? The more I think about it, it's like pretty much all offensive line issues. They had Evan Neal, so it probably wasn't the talent issue. Yeah. All these different things that, that Bama could make in that pitch with developing quarterbacks and all these things, Sark can make a lot of those same points. He really can. Yeah. So all of those, those reasons to me are why I think it made sense for Arch to make the decision that he did. And when we saw that news came out and I get the first text, I think it was, it was, it was our producer, Dan Matthews, who sent that text to me mm -hmm. as I was, actually, I was on the phone with Tom Hart. That's exactly what, what, what I was doing, um, sick brag. But when, when I got that news, it was like, yep, okay, this makes sense. I didn't have the same exact reaction as Lauren did to say, Arch really committed to Texas? Like, Texas is just mm -hmm. Nebraska, just overrated. <laughs> her words, her words. She gets a lot of takes by osmosis though. So 
<laughs> right. She's a Nebraska, noted Nebraska appreciator. Hey, noted former resident of Nebraska. She's allowed to say that. Right. She is, there's no problem with Lauren being able to come, come off the top rope right on top of Nebraska like that. Yeah. So mm -hmm. were there any elements of this that kind of blew you away, that just said, whoa, did not, ex did not expect to see this play out the way that it did? No, no, I think that uh, a lot of it is a business decision. I think that to me personally, and I am, you know me, very competitive guy. I don't know what logic, like a lot of the thing, the pitch for Alabama is we will make you into X. Arch is kind of already X, you know what I'm saying? Like what, there's obviously a good way to develop guys. They develop guys, I'm not saying that's not the case, but like there have been certain guys that, Julio Jones is a great example, which came through Alabama, got a little bit better while he was there, but. He was kind of that same guy, like Foley. You know what I'm saying? Like there have been a couple of guys, but yeah, I think um, I think that for Texas, it, it is wide open. And we talked about this briefly on the the um, Bolden Brassing, and an, another name came up since I've talked about this. Um, guys that their college career doesn't super duper matter could go either way. One guy I was thinking of that I didn't think of at the time was Fournette. Fournette had a horrible pre-draft year. You know what I'm saying? He got hurt. He wasn't effective. Like da da da. Still went very high. Um, Trevor Lawrence, I think, is another guy that, while he had a great college career, was kind of already, already in that conversation. Do you think that, let's say Texas continues to be horrible, do you think that affects Arch, Arch's draft slot? Because really, that's the question we have. It's more of a Texas question than an Arch question. Yes and no. Um, I'm hedging by saying that. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen, in his pre-draft year. Oh, he was bad, man. Dude was bad real bad i mean quarterback josh allen yeah, yeah, yeah. quarterback josh allen not like <laughs> most valuable player of kentucky's last decade linebacker josh allen not him um the mm -hmm. wyoming quarterback josh allen and i i was blown away during the pre-draft process if you go back one of the first pods that that marlo and i ever did was me just ripping people that were pro mm -hmm. josh allen so for certain guys who have those traits and have those tools it doesn't matter to a certain extent and if Trevor Lawrence had been all of a sudden bad, his, his pre-draft year, that 2020 year, wherein he got COVID in the middle of it and he missed, he missed multiple games, it still didn't really matter that much. As much as we do scrutinize these guys, um, I, I do think though there's a certain element to this where you're right, where you're just gonna take a chance on the tools. If you have the last name Manning, yep. that's gonna be different than anything we've seen probably in this pre-draft process. And that's going to carry more weight. It just kind of will with the way that it has played mm -hmm. out. So I don't really know in terms of like how much Texas's team success will be used when evaluating Arch's draft stock. What I do think is, is interesting from a developmental standpoint. If the timeline plays out as, as predicted, as what we've talked about already, with him redshirting that first year, then sophomore year, I guess redshirt freshman year, year two, he gets to play against mm -hmm. Big 12 defenses, kind of get your feet wet a little bit, don't get thrown into the fire right away, and then year three, he's playing against SEC defenses, he will have answered a lot of those questions. And like, for example, if he, if he was part of a team that went six and six or something like that, but if he put up really good numbers, Texas just couldn't stop a nosebleed, I don't think that people are gonna say, Arch Manning's not a winner. I think we are right, advanced yeah. enough now to be able to look at the big picture <laughs> and realize what's in his right. control and what isn't in his control. But he's going to be scrutinized more than any quarterback we've ever seen. I fully believe that. It's gonna happen from the jump. Do I think though there are certain positives 
for the path that he has chosen, yeah, I think it's going to be different when he goes in to start a game at TCU versus starting a game at Tennessee, right? If he's doing that as a first-time starter and every single place he goes in the SEC, he has to answer some world of questions. You know, you could close your eyes and picture how that would have gone for you know, Alabama, LSU, and he's got to answer these questions. Like if he had committed to Alabama and it's like, oh, you know, Manning has never committed to LSU. He's got to hear about that all week leading up to the game or, you know, leading up to the Tennessee game, leading up to the Ole Miss game. And I'm just saying this hypothetically without mm-hmm. looking at the future schedules. But, you know, he's not going to have to deal with that in the same sort of way in the Big 12, just because that's not where the Manning path has has been laid out for yeah. him. So I think there are some positives for that. I don't think that we can necessarily say it's a Lincoln Riley type situation where it looks like he's running from the SEC. And I know I have a, I have a column, shameless plug. Oh, yeah. SaturdayDownSouth.com. I have a, my, myself, Matt Hayes, we had instant <laughs> columns um, about the Arch Manning situation. And I said, like, he's spurned the SEC for now. Two of his final three choices were SEC schools. So <laughs> can't run from the SEC. It'll it, it'll either discard you or just you know gobble you up if you're valuable. Yeah. <laughs> He'll end up in the SEC. Arch not running from the SEC, but at the same time, does it kind of play out that oh, instead of maybe having to play against those SEC defenses in your first year as a starter, you can wait until year two as a starter? Yeah, maybe 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 that did play a part. I, I truly don't know. He's been obviously really, really kind of closed off. And we had Jeff Duncan on from The Athletic, and he's somebody who's very close to the Manning family, and he was talking about that right around this time last year. And we were discussing kind of where he thinks that path yeah. could end up. And I think his prediction was Clemson, if I'm, not, if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken, just in part because of how different that path could be. He wants to... To, yeah. to, to be able to, to go, not necessarily in the footsteps of his uncles or, or his grandpa, but to be able to, to kind of write his own story. And he's gonna have every chance to be able to do that at Texas. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of things. And like at the end of the day, like, I think this makes all the sense in the world, just to be honest. Like as a, Tex- a noted Texas slander, and I was just talking to one of my buddies about this, like I gotta really change my mindset on Texas as they start to come to the SEC, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, I can't just continually sledge with them they're gonna be part of the family or whatever, but yeah, well, maybe we can. We have a- It's never stopped you before, Will. Now, but, but that's fair, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so point being, like, when you talk about Sark, right, you talk about the very clear path to playing time. You talk about, you know, playing in the Big 12, having a nice little on-ramp, into SEC play where, you know, he's either going to figure it out or he's not in the Big 12, but then he's going to have time to kind of get it together, have those off seasons with Stark because Texas is a destination job. Texas is not a job where you get a call from the NFL every year. You get a call from, you know, another college. Like that's where a lot of people want to end their careers. And that's where, you know, if Stark, I'm sure had his druthers, he would be there for a very long time. So there's not a lot of, you know, assuming that he, he builds something and now he's landed Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. So it's pretty hard to imagine him screwing that up to a level of getting fired while Arch is there like because he can always still promise the administration like Arch is just around the corner just hang on in there so like point being like the things that Georgia and Alabama can promise most people like I talked about development opportunity for all these things like he already has a lot of that and at the same time like you know obviously Archie you know won a Heisman um I don't, I don't want to get into the weeds about SEC championships X Y and Z but no, zero national championships you know what I'm saying like it's not like to to compete with the Manning legacy. He It would be great if he won the Heisman. He doesn't need to win a national championship to be viewed as like Good a point. or Good something. Point. You know what I'm saying? And so like, it's not like, it's not like he's Tim Tebow's son, where it's like, oh, well you're this, you brought all this greatness to this one area. It's like, they were great quarterbacks. I'm not taking that away from them, but he can have a parallel legacy that is amazing. And exactly what you just talked about, I think is a great point that it's, you don't want to go through all that crap as, as, a, as a player where it's like, 
you're in the SEC, you're playing against Tennessee, Ole Miss, one of the two, depending on which which division you're in or, or whatever, you know, whatever the layout is. And it's like, you're constantly being compared to these people where it's like, yeah, I mean, if you're playing Oklahoma, that's a whole different story. And at the end of the day, guys like this, like I guess it's a business decision. I hate that I keep talking about the NBA, but this is truly like an NBA style decision where it's like, okay, I need to get here. This is the best path, best path to here. I want to get all the potholes and all the, you know, like, like, uh, barriers out of my way before I get to this location. But it seems like he's going to have a lot of fun. He's going to make a lot of money. He's going to be around a great offensive mind. No matter what you think of Sark, he's a great offensive yeah. mind. And at the end of the day, like, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. And like I said, like, I, I think that it's got to be hard for him to be so scrutinized because in football, it doesn't happen, man. It really, truly doesn't happen. There's It's a lot more common, like I said, in basketball where it's, oh, you're this guy's son, you're this guy's whatever. We've been watching you since you were born. It, it really doesn't happen to where football fans are used to, oh, well, you know, this guy did this, and so you're expected to do this. And I think SEC fans would have put such a lofty expectation on him and anything short of, you know, two national right. titles, like two Heismans would have been ridiculous. So go to the, you know, go to Texas where they need you, dog. Like, that's what I'm saying. Georgia and Alabama don't need you. Nick Saban and Kirby Smart do not care about one singular player. Texas? That's the business decision they're making. They need you, dog. They need you to be you. They need you to do whatever you need to do to get to where you need to get. Because I know one thing, if you make mistakes at Alabama, they'll pull you. They don't care. Sark didn't have that option. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you know? I think the standard will be get to New York, play for play yeah. in a playoff, get Texas over that hump. Like, that will be kind of the expectation that many have of him. I don't know if it's, if it's fair to say. Like, the more I think about it, the more... Like, can we really make the Vince Young comparison? Because from a talent standpoint, Texas as of right now is not on that level yet. They're not dealing with, they're not having like yeah. a, a, this all world defense. They're, they're a ways away from being able to compete at a championship level defensively. So I don't even think that's fair, which Vince Young got to play with as well. And also it's a different system. It's a different system. They're gonna be playing at a different conference. There are going, it's, going, it's tougher to get to a national championship than it was in 2005. So that's, that's also part of the equation. But people are going to say, Vince Young is the standard. That's what he kind of has to live up to. If he could have a, but if you're, but if you're a Texas fan at this point, if you're expecting or comparing him to Vince Young, you're an idiot. Like I'm not, I'm not being mean, but it's like that was ten plus, even more than that, almost twenty years ago. And if Texas fans expect him to come up and be like Vince Young, it's like. Do y'all not see that y'all are trying to build a statue for Ellinger? Like, be better than him, and that's impressive at this point. You know what I'm saying? I, I think uh, if he can have a, a Trevor Lawrence-like career, mm -hmm. massive success. Oh, massive yeah. Success. I mean, yeah, Trevor's still, yeah, I mean, gosh, Trevor's an interesting one to rate. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, just showing that you can be arguably the best player uh, in the sport for a specific time, or at least, you know, top mm -hmm. two to where that, that was pretty much from from the moment that Trevor Lawrence won a national championship as a true freshman, which again, the timeline probably gonna be different for him than it will be for Arch Manning. Yeah. But from that moment on, he was widely considered a top two quarterback in the sport pretty much at any single point. Obviously not as good as Burrow. We had them in the head-to-head -to, -head to compare that. The Justin Fields thing, Justin Fields end up, ends up getting the last laugh as well. But you could say pretty much at any point, it felt like Trevor Lawrence was one of the two best quarterbacks in the sport after he uh, got got to a national championship and then won it in very convincing fashion against Alabama. Two biggest winners from this, front porch football, fire tweet. Great tweet of Dwight and Michael <laughs> celebrating the lack of, um, they're, they're gonna when they're gonna close down um, the Scranton branch of Dunder Mifflin. 
and David Wallace and Jan are working behind the scenes with Josh to figure out what this plan's gonna be, and then Josh used them as leverage to be able to take another job, and then all of a sudden we find out that there's gonna be this merger between Samford and Scranton, and then Dwight and, and, uh, and Michael are on the front porch of David Wallace's house, and they're celebrating like they actually did anything, even though they didn't. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. Auburn, yeah. Tennessee. <laughs> Biggest winners. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, Tennessee, man. I didn't even think about that. If we had gone to Georgia, oh. Tennessee, <laughs> look, I understand it would have been great to get Arch Manning. It would have been phenomenal. Thinking about Arch Manning and the Josh Leipel offense would have been great. Mm. Y'all made out all, okay. It, it's it's for all those, for all, all the things that we talked about that, that would have been fantastic. Think about having to work against that. Not gonna have to do that. Well, at least until 2025. That schedule release in 2025, man, whew. I wonder what our scheduled discussions will be like by 2025. Shoot, I just hope I'm we're sure gonna be we'll here like in 2025. 30 man. different, <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, yeah, exactly, it's like the world that we live in, and I, you know doing this for like, as long as you have this voice, like there's been a guy I'm sure that has come up, you remember every stage of the recruiting, covering them as a recruit, and then going to the draft, and you just in that moment being like, man, I feel a little, oh, like, yeah. even like Trevor Lawrence might be that way, you know? I, I'm already kind of there. I, like. Even talking, I remember talking with Dwayne Haskins at um, Under Armour All America practices, the late oh, Dwayne Haskins, mm -hmm. and that was in 20, yeah, that was 2015, talking to all of those guys, and that year talking to, to Miles Sanders and talking to Rashawn Gary and Star Study Group that was there, and to see them all like multi year NFL veterans at this point, that's already making me feel old. So, yeah, I'm, I'm there, man. I'm there. That was a lot. Um, Hopefully that was worth uh, worth an emergency pod. It was. I'm just. I'm just. Yeah. Messing. It definitely was. Thank you to Arch Manning for not committing while I'm on vacation in Utah in a couple of weeks. Appreciate him not doing that. So yes, we'll be back early next week. We're gonna have a buddy Mike Morgan on. First time guest, long time SEC Network announcer. Great stuff with him. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Subscribe if you have not already. Join the Saturday Down South Podcast Facebook group here named Red On Air with Figuring Out or Bold and Fresh. Thanks, guys. Talk soon.